This is Cooper Green. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. I'm Emerson Malone. I am a podcast editor with the Daily Emerald. This is the weekly news recap, the biggest headlines from January 29th through February 4th. Today we focus on the new time, place, manner policy that may affect student protests, the wave of influenza here on campus, the efforts to protect undocumented students, and more. With me here in the studio, I'm joined by Andy Subasa-Field. He is a news reporter with the Daily Emerald. Hey, Emerson. Thanks for having me on. And Max Thornberry, associate news editor. How's it going, guys? Thanks for coming in, guys. Let's begin talking about the proposed policy from the Faculty Senate that will limit when and where protests can take place at the U of O. Max, when did the Faculty Senate first propose this policy? So this policy actually wasn't proposed by the Faculty Senate. Uh, This policy was proposed by administration, by administrators last November, but the Senate does have to ratify it. They have to to agree uh, and they have until March 1st to do that. So uh, from the beginning to then, they have about four months to figure it out. What are the new constraints that are part of this policy? There's a number of things. There's a, it's about a six-page proposal, but uh, the major things are that protests and picketing are going to have to take place outside, uh, and they will be relegated to free speech zones, specific areas on campus, as well as new restrictions on signs, the size that signs and banners can, that can be used with protest, with, uh, by, by protesters, as well as the fact that signs and banners will have to be accompanied by protesters at all times. They can't be left on their own. You, you mentioned the words free speech zone. That sounds a little Orwellian. So there are some areas of campus that will be designated as areas that uh, it is more or less okay to protest. This being so that classes aren't disrupted. Uh, the GTF strike a couple years ago, there were some complaints about disrupting classes. I mean, that might be part of what protesting is trying to achieve. And it's things like that, like free speech zones that are giving the Senate pause and saying, we're not sure if we're ready to ratify this yet. And so that was what the discussion this week was by the Faculty Senate. They need administrators to meet them halfway. But if this continues on and nothing is decided by March 1st, uh, administrators are going to be able to enact an emergency policy. And this would more or less be what the student body is operating on until the Senate can propose and ratify something that they that they approve of. All right. So let's say it is officially passed and the man is trying to put down the student protests. How is it going to affect student protesters who wish to demonstrate on campus in the future? It's hard to tell right now because this is still in flux. Uh, If this is passed, then it is going to make protesting more difficult for students, especially for those that are expressing dissenting views from the majority on campus. But let's hope that protesters are still willing to go out and and, and protest. Andy, you wrote Monday's news cover for the Emerald. It was about how the university is working toward protecting undocumented students or those with DACA. To start off, can you explain what DACA stands for and what it means? Yeah, so uh, DACA stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. It's a program uh, the Obama administration signed in as an executive order in 2012. Basically, it's for dreamers or those undocumented immigrants who were brought into the country at a young age. So say I was a dreamer, you know, I'm going to university and you know, a lot are right now. You know, DAC would let me have a social security card so I can apply for scholarships, just not federal financial aid, and be able to work. It's renewable after two years, but U.S. President Trump promised to repeal it. So Oregon also signed in a tuition equity bill after Obama brought in DACA, 
which lets dreamers receive in-state tuition at Oregon State University. So say DACA gets repealed, I would be forced to pay out-of-state tuition. So in the story, there is one graphic that shows nine designated quote-unquote sanctuary campuses in the United States, and two of these are in Portland, Portland State University and Reed College. For those who aren't hip to the nomenclature, can you explain to me what a sanctuary campus is? Yeah, so that's a, that's an important conversation happening right now. What is a sanctuary campus? And it's a big part of why your uh, President Michael Schill decided not to declare it one. And what we understand now is that the universities that are sanctuary campuses have vowed to do three things, refusing to release student citizenship status information and bar immigration enforcement from their campuses. But President Schill has already announced that, that he'd do this to the full extent of the law. So the issue is the term sanctuary. There are no legal definitions behind it, and it could mean resisting valid court orders. Interesting to note, the Eugene School District, they decided this week that they can't or they won't be using the term sanctuary campus because it is such an ambiguous term. There aren't real parameters as to what defines a sanctuary campus. And a lot of uh, proponents of using the term sanctuary campus are saying that it's important, if nothing else, as a symbolic gesture to let those that will be affected by the immigration ban and by these new policies to let them know that the city and the state stands on their side. Mm-hmm. And they'd cite things like uh, Black Lives Matter as, a, as a examples of, of movements where they've used a symbolic term that everyone kind of rally around throughout history. It's, it's also interesting that there is a good chance that there's a pushback against using the term sanctuary campus because if universities come out and they say that they are not going to allow immigration officials onto campus and they're going to fight uh, federal rules, there's a chance that the university could lose funding. Now, the the amount of funding that the UO receives from the state is minimal, but it is still there. So there's a good chance that that is playing a role in President Schill's decision not to state clearly that this is a sanctuary campus. Andy, in the story you spoke with Professor Kristen Yaris, who teaches international studies here at the U of O. What efforts has she made as far as protecting undocumented students? So she started this Facebook group. She reached out to a bunch of colleagues and started this Facebook group called Protecting Undocumented Students. And from there, it kind of led to this resolution that, that the faculty brought into Senate called the Sanctuary Campus Resolution. And from there, it's even though she hasn't you know, declared one officially, a sanctuary, U of O, a sanctuary campus, she led to conversations on on school policy which could um, protect these undocumented and, and now as of recent international students who, who you know affected by the Muslim ban but also uh, you know undocumented students too and how, how the university can protect them and provost uh, Scott Coltrane on Monday said that he'd even um, provide attorneys to anyone who's approached by immigration enforcement so yeah that's basically what she did. Thank you Randy. Max on Wednesday, news writer Miguel Sanchez Rutledge had a story up in the Emerald about the flu outbreak here in Lane County. And according to a statement from the Lane County Public Health Department, there have been 11 outbreaks of the flu since December. Six of those have happened in the last two weeks. So how bad is this surge of flu cases at the U of O, really? And how does it compare to, say, the meningitis outbreak of 2015. So this isn't the return of the plague or anything like that. This isn't quite as serious as the meningitis outbreak, but there's some cause for concern. There have been seven influenza-related deaths this year, uh, including the the death of a former uh, U of O professor, Edwin Coleman. So this is something that students should be taking seriously, but it's not something that they need to be scared of. How is it contracted, exactly? And what should students do to prevent 
getting the flu. So the most common ways that this is going to be contracted is by touching a surface that someone that is carrying the influenza virus has touched, or even by standing too close to someone that has the virus. So in order to prevent this, students should be doing things like washing their hands regularly. Uh, and if they are concerned, there are vaccinations available at the health center for $20 for students. Uh, and if there are any faculty listening, you can get yours for $30. All right, gross. Andy, let's close on China Night. You attended the event earlier this week. It was hosted by the UO Chinese Students and Scholars Association. It was last Saturday. Let's hear about it. Yeah, lots of fun. Uh, I definitely like attending, you know, cultural uh, nights, um, and um, I feel like it's it's nice seeing the student community kind of, kind of watch, um, kind of you know, be happy sharing their culture. I feel like people really enjoy to share their culture. And I went to you know China night. There's white rabbit sweets, um, which I what does that mean? I personally love. It's these like this this little white candy which is wrapped in this this. Um, rice paper which you can it's kind of edible and you just it's like it's delicious it's like amazing um i'm sorry i don't see the correlation <laughs> you said you went to china night and then you start talking about this candy that's my favorite part <laughs> <laughs> all right all right sorry should i start again sorry about that no keep going right. <laughs> i don't care right. just just keep going all right um do you want to start over I um nah. <laughs> you right, just sure. gotta jump to sure, sure, sure. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> okay, okay. I love these. All right, all right, all right. So I mean, okay, okay. Right. okay let's paint go. a picture with your words, Andy. Paint, paint a picture with yeah. your words. Please okay. paint a picture with your words. Okay. So I went to China night. Um, I love it. Um, I love China night. <laughs> okay, sorry. Can't all, do right. This, man. all right, all right. I'll paint a picture. Okay, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I went to China night. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, my favorite part. No, it, what? I just, just keep going, man. <laughs> All right. I went to China night. Um, you know, it's definitely a lot of fun. A lot of the international... I'm, right, I'm not, I'm not going to say fun. All right. I went to China night. You know, there were about... <laughs> You're not going to do your opening sentence. <laughs> I went to... Come on, man. Just, just, just yeah. say it. I went to China night. There were, there were a lot of people. There were about... 300 people the whole emu ballroom was filled that's huge yeah what a turnout yep it was great um you know there was a lot of events that the great thing about china and i feel is um there's a lot of interactive games where they invite the audience on stage with like a random number and it's really fun you know a lot of people are seeing their friends on stage you know they were playing musical chairs and there's a lot of laughing and you know how was the teasing. food the food was you know i didn't really have time to eat any food because i was I was shooting pictures. You're there but, purely on an objective journalistic basis. But but my roommate, Zach, um, you know, he was just in the corner just chomping away at, you know, the mop dofu, the, the Mongolian beef. And he really seemed to be enjoying himself because, uh, you know, I went back, I went, you know, to the, to the food area and he was just like standing there alone eating a bunch of food. But <laughs> so yeah, I got a laugh out of that. But um, I definitely there was a there was a there was a time where Trevor Land, this international student where he was um, on stage um rapping to to this uh, taiwanese uh hip-hop artist called soft lippa and he was singing this song called bear and you know I, I learned a new cool song that day so i was you know that was definitely a, a fun part of the whole night for me that sounds like a blast how was the candy was there any good candy there oh candy yeah oh, i'm so glad you asked yeah <laughs> there's something called uh, white rabbit sweets um it's definitely a favorite of mine um it's got a white rabbit on the cover of the plaster, and um, it's, it's, it's wrapped with this, this rice paper. It's like this paper you can eat. 
but like uh, I'm, I'm aware of what rice paper is. It's real sweet. It's real sweet, and I, I loved it. Delectable. All right, Andy, thank you. My pleasure. That's all we have time for today. My name is Emerson Malone. I'm Max Thornberry. My name's Andy Field. If you want to hear more from the Emerald Podcast Network, you can subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or you can listen to these episodes, guess what? Right on the Emerald homepage at dailyemerald.com. Thanks for listening.